This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS Radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there, too. Welcome to HITS Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have Armin Winkler. Armin is, uh, as you know, a longtime instructor at all of our HITS seminars. We did a podcast just a couple of weeks ago, or probably came out maybe two months ago now, of uh, Armin's class on muzzle training. But Armin's teaching two classes two classes for us at uh, HITS this year, as he often does, two or three. He's, he's uh, well-versed in so many different aspects that we like to take advantage of, of having Armin with us uh, whenever, whenever we... Uh, have him teach it hits, which has so far been pretty much every single hits that we have. So Armin's going to be with us in Orlando this year, as usual, and I uh, wanted to get him back on here today so we could talk about his second class. So uh, Armin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, glad to be on with you again, and uh, glad to be returning to hits, and glad that hits is actually happening this year. Oh, I know. It so, seems, it seems yeah. like it's been too long because of COVID and stuff, so... We're excited. A little to disappointed get... that I'm only doing two classes because usually I do three, and because the conference is three days long, usually yeah. or three and a half, and I like to have something to do every day. Yeah. But then yeah. I just sit in other people's <laughs> classes, I guess. So, yeah. but if We're... somebody drops out, I'm there. So oh, we, we know that. We, we know you got a lot of classes. So, so tell me about your second class. So the second class, the title of it is a new age of canine use in tactical team deployments, and. You and a couple of the other HITS organizers have um, asked me whether I can do a, a class on SWAT team integration uh, and, and something in that direction. Sure. Because there is obviously a lot of classes out there being taught and there seems to still be some things missing. And because of the work I do sort of for a big percentage of my of my uh, professional work is, is with special operations teams that I help help them sure. train and also help devise certain methodologies for things. I've obviously have a great front row view to some of the things that are necessary there, but also we have a chance to test out sure. certain concepts and training things. So as I've done with some of the other things, I like to bring that into the mainstream law enforcement quicker and faster than normal trickle down sure. information flow by adjusting it to domestic law enforcement and making it fit and uh, hopefully benefiting the teams that want to and like to use canine as um, as an asset in their in their deployments so what i call my program is s-o-t-i-k sotic special operations team integrated canine and the class is really about integration Right. I, I say that right uh, sure. at, at, at the very beginning. It's not a tactics course. I don't teach tactics. Sure. That's that's not my thing. I don't presume that. I've seen some elite tactical units across the world do their stuff. So it's not sure. I, I don't know anything about it, but it's not my lane and it's yeah. not my I think it's not my business. You know, I've been in some hairy, scary situations myself doing some of the work I've done, but I've not been in a gunfight. Sure. And I don't want to give people advice on how to fight in yeah, a gunfight. So I enough. think that's left to people. Like I work with, with the top level tactical people on the planet and they don't need my advice on that. Sure. So I, what they want the advice for is the dogs. So that's what this course is about. So it's, this class um, comes from the angle of getting the dog in, integrated and socialized and and then the training part of it get to get them well, into the team and see this is this is well, you just jumped on something there okay. get them socialized we actually don't do that because we can't okay right and this is one of the complaints that a lot of law enforcement has is we don't have enough time to train with the SWAT team right? sure oh yeah yeah you hear that all the time so how do how the dogs going to get used to the guys and how yeah. do they socialize with them how do they get to know them they don't have to we don't get to train with our line units, as they're called, the, the pure assaulter units, yeah. operator units. But sometimes pre-mission, just to um, nail a few things down that seem to be very mission-specific for them, or sometimes 
when new operators come into the fold, they do a bunch of training together with the canines so they can see how the canines operate and work with the canines. But we don't spend any time socializing with them. Okay. We don't spend any time really on that part. That's trained a different way. And I, let me interrupt. I imagine when mm-hmm. when you talk about a new operator coming into the fold, so what you're explaining him being there, or him or her being there for a while, um, I imagine then that is probably getting them more used to having the dog around than the dog being used to being around the team. Is that fair to say? Correct. And, and what it is really is is the phrase that's always used that that I've adopted from from those units is this: Canine does not change tactics. It, yeah, we, I mean, nothing yeah. is done differently. The, the teams operate exactly the same way they operate when a dog is not there. So go into a SWAT class, SWAT canine class, as a canine handler, and then coming back and telling your SWAT team, hey, he wants us to do it this way, he wants us to do it that way. SWAT teams that are successful, squared away, dialed in, aren't going to want to modify their operational standards, their tactics to accommodate a canine. So and the they ca- shouldn't. So the canine they would shouldn't. be an additional tool that Correct. they could use. It's just a tool that's there with the team, fully integrated. And when I say fully integrated, I'm talking about darkness, night vision, assault in a house with 15 shooters, and the dog bypasses everybody okay right he sure. can come he can go into rooms out of rooms he can be ahead he can he can encounter forward staged operators he can encounter force on force second unit entry teams the dogs will absolutely check off from the good guys until they get to the bad guy and this is battle proven battle tested over and over so it's it works if it's done right sure and, and I, I hate to, um, I hate to tease stuff because it, sometimes it sounds a bit of an infomercialish, and that's not how we do business with it hits. But mm-hmm. I guess for this podcast, it's fair to say that there's stuff that we're not going to be able to discuss here on this podcast just because anyone could listen to it. Coming to the Correct. class, uh, you're going to have um, some some more information that we're going to be able to mm-hmm. share, and some maybe some videos and stuff that mm-hmm. since hits is a law enforcement only podcast seminar, you'll be able to share some of that a little more a little more freely than we could do right here on this podcast that's correct i i've i've done that and i've always made my class materials available to the people that reach out to me afterwards there's there's some information that i'm always a little bit reluctant to to just give openly so you know we have at at hits we have vendors we have civilians we have people that are employees of of vendors and so on that are there that are allowed to sit in the classrooms and audit and i i'm not always totally free to share with them so i usually just ask people to come and show me a badge yeah yeah, (laughs) before i give them sort of the the last little bit overall but yeah overall we try to vet everybody clearly but but i just want to say that uh if people feel like maybe during this podcast they're not getting as much information, it's simply because this podcast, you know, anyone could listen to it. So we have Correct. to be we have to be uh, cognizant of that. Yes. So there's certain things I'm not going to say, sure. like how you know how we use the dog yeah. and, and and so on. Yeah. But um, and that's one of the things I think that that needs to be understood. The dog is an asset to a team. He shouldn't change the way the team goes about their business and it shouldn't change really any operational settings. There's there's certain formulas in place with special operations teams, whether they're called SWAT, SERT, sure, whatever designation they have. They have their formula. That formula really should remain intact for, for no other reason than, for example, let's say you start, you have a large structure to clear that has, let's say, a dozen or more rooms. It's a school, it's a, um, a warehouse, yeah. it's an office building, it's a large house that has tons of bedrooms and whatnot, and you're going after violent people. That's typically why the special operations team is there, and the dog goes down in the first room. Yeah, you still have a mission. You still have a mission. The mission continues, and the tactics should stay the same. If you base all your tactics on having the dog there, that just all changed. It shouldn't. 
right? Not even the dog going down. Sometimes the dogs just don't perform the way that we thought they would, even good dogs. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's you know that I mean that's another whole question about whether the dog is is at the performance level he should be in order to be involved in a team operation like that but there is obviously like i said a tactical element to it sure that 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 needs to be considered and i think training specific canine tactics leads us down a path that is that leaves us hanging when all of a sudden the dog fails like you say or uh, loses his life gets yeah. gravely injured, yeah. can't continue. So now what, what do we do now? Now we don't have the dog. Well, nothing changes. Everything stays the same. We just lost one tool. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, you need to continue on. And and I think that's that's just a, a better way to, to move forward with that. So another policy, for example, I have, talking about performance, like when I, I did this class one time at the tactical conference last year, last fall, it was supposed to be premiered at HITS, but HITS was canceled, yeah. so I did it at the American Tactical Canine Conference. And that one was, is a lecture first, and then there's a, a hands-on element for the rest of the day. So it's um, yeah. sort of an eight-hour course with a two-hour lecture and then a six-hour practical. And what I say right in the, in the lecture is, like, money aside, I do not do this with dogs that have a history of biting backup officers. I just don't do it. Sure. Oh, yeah. Because they, they've already shown, number one, we know they bite for real. We know yeah. they have bitten officers for real. And I'm not talking about a nip on a panther. No, I'm no, talking I, about yeah. a latch on, had to be outed sure. or taken off kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and because it's just, like, if you can't trust the dog that you're in there with, your behavior will change. Absolutely. Yeah. We need to have yeah. a truly integrated dog. And, yeah. and I don't know if there's any anybody out there that can make a dog that has done this before be that trustworthy or reliable long-term. And um, it's it's really, really crucial that the team is unaffected by the canine being there. If if the operators are worried about that dog behind them, beside them, coming up their flank, and they take the eyes of what the, the yeah. eyes should be on, which is the next room, their rifle sights or their yeah. gun sights, whatever, whatever weapons they're using, that the dog becomes a hindrance he shouldn't be there so i i I don't want to take anything away from from good street dogs but not every good street dog should be on a swat team oh that's That's, fair enough enough. my my opinion yeah not every handler not every handler should be on a swat team yeah and it is all it is better if the handler is also an operator like if he has the training that he could be one of the guys if if he wasn't handling the dog because then he knows the tactics better and he knows the operational procedures better and it makes it easier for him to bring his dog to that fight yeah rather than somebody who needs to be you know like he might get in the way he might get underfoot he's not um you know once the dog is doing his thing the handler becomes an operator in a way and a, a non-operator handler is always just going to be sort of a, a tag-along follower yeah. and that's that's not as effective it's not that it can't be done but it's it's not as effective that's for sure yeah i, I actually talked to a, a department a while back and a, a larger department and they actually at first I, I didn't think i liked it when they were describing it but their their process to get a leash in their hand is they have to first get on the swat team and it's only temporary like you're you get on and you know you're going to be a dog handler but you're going to spend i think it's six months on the swat team you gotta go through all the schools you gotta deploy with them do everything and if all the swat guys on that team basically sign off then you can take the next step and try and be a dog handler and see make mm-hmm. sure that all the the guys on the canine unit also sign off and then at the end of the year of your probation then you either get a dog or you don't get a dog that's it was the most integrated team as far as um, tactics and relationships and stuff because all the SWAT guys knew the new dog handler because he was one of their their guys had all the training he saw things from two different you know the because I was talking to the the newest handler he could see things from the SWAT side and the canine side it seemed like a really good way to go for for agencies yeah I, I think it's that. actually a brilliant brilliant idea I mean it's it's uh yeah, it's a smart way to do it for yeah, sure. There was no it, division, and I saw the SWAT yeah. guys jumping in the, the bite suits, helping out decoy mm-hmm. in because they wanted yeah. successful dogs, and the the 
dog guys were well versed in all the SWAT tactics. So it was a yeah. a very good, very good way to to put together yeah. a, a unit. That's a that's a good that's a good yeah. unit. I yeah. know a lot of agencies so. don't have that option, but but it's a it was it was a cool mm -hmm. cool thing I saw. Yeah. So one of the things that I talk about in the class as well is the so there's there's two ways that we can use a dog in the SWAT or special operations team. And one of them is sort of the old school, the holstered weapon style, which sure. is the, the handler maintains physical control and uh, of the dog pretty much until the dog is supposed to do the dog thing. Sure. And then he regains physical control, reholsters the weapon, and then the SWAT team does their thing. That's one way of doing it, and that's probably the most common way of, of use sure. of dog yeah. right now. Uh, other than sitting perimeter or something like that. Yeah. And then the second way is, of course, the fully integrated team, the tactical dog. And there's just not that many um, systems out there that teach that really well from, from start to finish. And that's something that, that you know, my program or okay. my approach to this is supposed to change and um, make that available to to, to people. Okay, so when um, you're when you're saying holster dog, that's a dog that's basically got a leash. They bring the dog. The team does something. They bring the dog up. Maybe he he clears a room. Then the yeah. bring the dog back, leash him up. They take the room, kind of leapfrog back and forth a little bit. And then when, when you're describing the tactical dog, that's a dog that is, I assume, off leash. He's mm -hmm. up ahead of the team under under control of the handler, mm -hmm. but not on a on a leash or anything. No, the dog is all. The dog is loose. The dog is basically yeah. um, the positive control. The leash yeah. uh, tether ends pretty much at the entry breach, or yeah. it may end at the foothold. If yeah. there's a way to to get in through the the entry breach and take a foothold to make the decision as to which way to hold yeah. the fight, then the dog is basically the dog is cut loose and. He's directed to, again depends on the tactics on on how the how the team decides to clear yeah. the the given structure. The dog is leads the way in a way, sure. right? Yep, that makes um, sense. And provides obviously safety, distraction, sure. ability to neutralize, and all that kind of stuff. The dogs need the handler, but kind of only to a point. The dogs can be directed by other people which is important and um the dogs understand that and this is probably the single biggest division between my program and the program that i'm teaching this class about and the traditional approach to swat integration and I, whenever i say integration i'm making air quotes in yeah, my yeah, office here yeah. right because it's not truly integrated and sure. the big difference is that if you watch and you've probably been to a few these these types of schools and these types of programs the biggest approach to it is to get the dogs to ignore the SWAT team guys to kind of act like they're not there they don't matter they're basically you have the, you, there's something else yeah. you need to do and these guys are just here so a lot of times it's done sort of proximity wise like the SWAT team is 15 feet to the side and then you know, the dog is deployed and then the, the picture is yeah. very similar, but they inch closer and closer until it pretty much can sit next to the stack. Yeah. But the dog is focused forward. The dog is focused on what his job is. And he pretty much ignores the all the ninja yeah. turtles that are sitting next to him or around him, right? And the way I teach this is the opposite. Pretty much from the first day of training of all this, and like with a with a tactical dog, and if we're doing a pure tactical dog, it starts day one of school. The dog is taught the operators are there. They're there for a reason. They're there to help you. They have meaning in your life. They guide you to be successful. They are not your target. They are your guide. Uh -huh to the target. So look at them, read them, understand them, pick up on their signals, know what they want from you because what they want from you gets you what you want. So in that then, they, it, from a room or something, the, the operator that's forward could then send the dog back down the hallway or read the dog and watch the alert. Correct. And our dogs read, for example, the difference between 
say there is the option of a right door and a left door, and the decision is made for whatever reason, the TO yeah. decides that we're holding to the right, we're fighting to the left, right? Yeah. The dogs will read the operator behavior to the guys that are fighting versus the guys that are holding, and he doesn't even pay attention to the holders. Okay. Right, so and then basically yeah. he 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 keys and focuses on what the other guys are doing, and he's just waiting for the go command before he does whatever he is asked to do, and that's really the 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 big the big divider is that the dogs understand why the guys are there, which is why it's not so necessary for the dogs to be socialized with them. They need sure. to recognize them. They need to identify them. They need to discriminate. That's crucial. We, our discrimination is, is hugely important, and we do it in three ways, right? We do it visual, we do it audible, and we do it olfactory. And once the dogs understand what our guys look like, what our guys say to identify themselves, and what our guys smell like, yeah. the the dog basically doesn't need to know this guy. He doesn't need to train with them. He doesn't need to understand them. He doesn't need to uh, be familiar with them, I should say. He doesn't need to recognize him. He is one of those guys that points him in the right direction so he can do what he really wants to do, which is smash somebody, right? Or or whatever he whatever his task is, right? And and I think that's the the big piece that hasn't been taught enough. Like, how do you make a dog acknowledge that? How do you make a dog notice that? How do you teach them what those guys mean and to take direction from them? Yeah. So I, and, guess my, um, I guess here's my question when you talk about, mm-hmm. for obviously a military operation is obviously different than, than a civilian law enforcement. Mm-hmm. But so I do when, the civilian sure. as well. So my questions, you know, my questions usually come from the civilian law enforcement side of it. So, mm-hmm. and I've, I've talked to lots of people about th- these concepts of having, you know, I've heard different ways to describe it that every, you know, that the the handlers, the, the dad and everybody else is the uncle and they can give the dog directions. I understand all that concept. But my question is, is that as a handler, I go in there, I'm responsible for my dog. I'm responsible for the engagement. I'm responsible mm-hmm. to, to read the alert. So I could teach um, the SWAT guys to read the alert. And I think that, in my opinion, that's a missing thing a lot of times when I watch this type of training is that the SWAT guys aren't learning the dog part of it as much. I don't know if you've seen that. But my biggest question is, is that if I have a handler who's way back in the in the line and then mm-hmm. somebody who's way up front that's directing mm-hmm. this dog to bite somebody. Who the hell's in charge of the dog right now? Because the handler's not. So here's the thing. On the on the alert part, for example, the operators are not really supposed to watch the dog. If they see the dog head whip because the dog spots somebody uh-huh. behind a closet or whatever, that's obvious and they're gonna notice that and they're gonna follow that. If it's an inaccessible where the dog ends up going to like a barking indication or something like that. Yeah. It's the operator's job, at least the, my, my understanding, is to basically make sure there is no imminent visual threats anywhere in that room. And then that by that time that, that that is made, that dog is actively engaging that closet door yeah. or something like that. And by that time, the handler's there again. Okay. Should the dog encounter somebody who is laying in wait, who's hiding behind a sofa, et cetera, et cetera, it is... Of course, the the first on contacts um, responsibility to make sure that that subject is neutralized beyond what the dog's capable of. Yeah, because the dog is not bulletproof. The dog can't shoot yeah. back. The dog, et cetera, et cetera. So if the dog goes in, engages, knocks the guy down, bites the guy, or whatever, it is whoever is right with him. It's their job to make sure that this, to give them commands, show me your hands, don't fight the dog, all that kind of stuff. That's of course crucial so that the, this yeah. guy cannot pose a, a danger to the operators yeah. and the dog himself. Because the dog may bite a guy, if the guy has a firearm, he may try to kill one of the operators. Oh yeah, yeah, I get um, that. He may kill the dog too, but the thing is the operators yeah. are um, obviously the the crucial element here and the dog is supposed to keep them safe first himself safe also so we we of course do work where we show the operators how to take the dog off 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and things like that, should that handler go down, the handler can get knocked out, can take a round or whatever, that that can happen. So, of course, that, but the dogs are very, very familiar. We do a, a, a lot of work with Adam because they are so accustomed to, you know, they will go up a, a flight of stairs that has like a half a dozen dudes all stacked up or piling up the stairs. And the dog will just force his way through to get to the top. And yeah. They're so familiar with that physical close quarter contact in light and low light and no light. They they certainly don't misdirect. Yeah. The only chance of, of a misdirection would be, uh, say you do a takeoff, like you, you take the dog off physically. Yeah. And right as the dog's mouth pops off, one of the operators reaches oh, yeah, for yeah. the guy right in front of the dog's muzzle. The dog doesn't, yeah, yeah. he can't, he can't no. tell the difference at that point. Absolutely. But that's sort of a frenzy situation that's different. But they're also taught not to do that. Yeah. We also teach the guys not to rush. Yeah. To contact, to fight the dog. Like this is not a contest between yeah. you and the dog. The dog is there to give you extra time. So let him make first contact. Let it's him a do safe his job. first yeah. contact. Let him do his job. Yeah. The the operators know the command to go forward, and that means, you know, sure. where might the guy be? Yeah. And then and then and then engage. And we practice that obviously over and over. And once the dogs understand that. It becomes a very, um, a very smooth flow. And again, with it, I do this with domestic law enforcement also, sure. which have qu- quite different tactics and operational procedures than some of the military guys do, even the, yeah. the real top-notch guys, because of their mandates and their restrictions and the things they're not allowed to do that is allowed yeah. in war, but isn't yeah. allowed in, in law enforcement. And everything is a little bit slower. Everything's more deliberate. The only time it's less deliberate is the hostage yeah, rescue sure. type speed and scenario, and that's yeah. a that's a different um, that's a different animal altogether. Oh yeah. But the dogs still need to understand it yeah. and um, yeah. and know what their what their role in all of it is. So let me kind of it's a little bit out of order, but I I want to jump mm-hmm. all the way back to when you're when you know you're going to have a unit that's coming for that t- particular dog. Is your selection test different for that unit than it will be just for if it, if it's a civilian law enforcement dog? Um, I understand. I mean, the, the jobs are a little bit different, so I understand there might be some idiosyncrasies there. But what I'm looking at, are you looking for a personality of a dog that maybe from the day one when you see him that maybe doesn't have that, I don't know, either that real sharp edge where um, – he's showing a little more confidence and being social with people or is there something you look for early early on when you're going to select a dog that's going to do this with your with your military teams my selection test is is not very different i would say the only thing the only thing that i look for for a tactical dog military or or civilian tactical dog would be a dog that's not very prone to barking yeah that makes sense because that, that that creates a pain in the butt. Like yeah. it makes communication hard, uh, shooting, yeah, yeah. flashbangs, yeah. target calls, explosive breaching, all that kind of stuff. Dogs that just are naturally noisy just yeah. make it very very hard to get them yep. quiet. Yes, it drives operators crazy. It makes comms crazy oh, yeah. And, yeah. and difficult. Yeah. And and it of course also takes away the element of surprise, which yeah. which is a, an operational asset if you can maintain operational surprise sure well i think um, it, it, you, you know you know a team is here but you don't know all they're bringing and yeah. that's that's really important yep um for for some of that stuff so that's one thing the other thing is that sharp edge i i would probably say i i would i might say yes to a dog that has it for civilian law enforcement if I can't find another dog, yeah. I prefer the social dogs. I prefer the dogs that are, that I teach them the aggression. Yeah. Which means I can point the aggression where I want it to And go. control it. I don't want them to sort of be blanketly aggressive against everybody. And then uh-huh. I hope that I can limit who he, who he engages. Um, if I, if I make the dog, if I teach them aggression, then I can, Point and directed. I have a dog, a dog I handle in my, my security patrol days was a socially aggressive dog and a very suspicious dog. 
and he basically would have bitten anybody I didn't tell him not to bite. Yeah, he didn't need a yeah. bite command. He would just wanted to bite everybody. Yeah, yeah. And it was much, I would never pick a dog like that for, for a no. team like that, nor would I pick a dog like that for, for most law enforcement anymore because it's just too difficult to to make that dog accept friendlies, right? Yeah. Oh, um, and there are some dogs out there that just have a little bit more of a quick trigger and a little bit more edge, um, like you said, a, sh- a sharper edge. I also... And I've, I've said this on the last podcast when we talked about muzzle, and I said it on some of the other the police yeah. canine radio podcasts I did a couple of weeks ago. I don't do a lot of defensive agitation with dogs. Yeah, I don't want to. I, the dogs need to know what defense is. The dogs need to know what it's like to be worried when they're in a fight. I don't want to make the worry prior to no. starting. And that's that's sort of the old school again in air quotes yeah. old school way of making sure that the dogs are reliable to engage is by by making them yeah defensive and worried about do to them before they can do it on to you yeah yeah and that mindset is of course a very dangerous mindset when a dog is running through a low light building and he comes around the corner yeah. and it's it's team number two that just came in the door and he comes around the corner and hears these other dudes yeah. aggressively banging doors open yeah. to, to try to clear the structure. A dog that comes around the corner going, where's the guy that's going to yeah. flank me? Where's the guy yeah. that's going to hurt me? Change me? Yeah. Uh, it, and, and they're going to lash out and ask questions later. And that's not what we want. I, I really don't want that for any police no. dog, but I certainly don't want it for a dog that's supposed to work with SWAT or a tactical dog. I think luckily we don't. Luckily we don't see much. At least I don't. I don't see much of that training anymore. You know, certainly I have seen it, but not. I, I don't think it's yeah, really I, I, as prevalent. It's probably improving, but I still see it. I, I tell you, there are some places where they do it, where they still do it a lot, and the dogs are very reliable when they're fighting. They usually have a crumble point and problem behaviors that yeah. I don't like seeing, but at, at least they engage. Yeah. Then I see the other side where some of that edginess work is not done and you have a dog that, that knows all the train picture procedures Yeah. and they look really good on video and stuff, yeah. but they fail. Until, yeah, until the right? day, yeah. The, 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 yeah. the middle of the road or the, the in-between where the dog is trained with a clear head works through the right lives yeah. and not in that in that where's the danger lurking kind of mindset yeah. there's the percentage is probably not high enough yet where that is the the norm or the most reliable product that's out there which is at least what what, what i've seen and what yeah. i encounter when i go yeah. to seminars dogs. i just did a decoy school up in in wisconsin had some nice dogs there many of them with with bites but they all had they had these worries when when things got a little weird and unpredictable and things they hadn't seen before all of a sudden they started getting the heebie-jeebies and you could tell and it starts playing with their heads and those dogs again have a little bit more of that defensive training um i've seen other dogs that were super super sporty and very hard biters and very hard hitters when it came to equipment and even with muzzles sometimes very yeah. hard hitters but when push came to shove all of a sudden like when it became too real yeah they they, they didn't know what to do and they so, probably wouldn't know yeah. what to do if, if if it was a real deployment so when you were in, uh, when, so when you were doing the seminar with product. these dogs in wisconsin were you able to to teach those dogs how to work through some of that yeah I mean, it was a decoy. This is always my quagmire when I do decoy schools because I'm there to teach the people. Yeah. And I see a dog with a problem, and I want to jump in and fix the problem. Um, but that's not what I mean because the dogs are really there to help these guys learn how to wear a suit. But over the course of three days, I would say that the dogs showed visible improvement well, in some of yeah. these areas just by the decoys having learned some of the things that we're teaching. Yeah, a good decoy will help that a lot. Yeah. So, so as a decoy, as the decoy skills improved. And I, yeah. I was telling the handlers and everybody there a little bit what I saw and what I would like to sort of not promote anymore. You could see the dogs growing, the dogs sure. getting more uh, attitude and more a more positive attitude and a better, a better team approach too because there was a lot of dogs too. Of course, when you're worried, 
of what the bad guy's going to do to you when you're on a bite. When the handler comes up and he does, you know, and the, the dog expects control work or a lift off or something like that, sometimes I'm uh, super happy to have the handler. Yeah. And that's um, so that's sort of the other the other side of that. So once we once we work through some of those bugs, I, I thought it was a very productive good, um, good. class. And and again, that's that's my when I do the decoy classes, it's it's much more about I don't think people to catch dogs at fifty yards. I, I can do that. I can catch them over hundred yards. Yeah, it, it, I've done this a long time. I've done it with thousands of dogs. There are people out there that can do that, but. It's that's really just a picture show yeah, or for yeah. a trial or yeah. for for like a, a yeah. sporting event. For police work, the most important skill for decoys to have is to be able to interact and spar with the dogs and push their buttons. And that's what my classes are all about. It's just like why are the dogs doing what they're doing? How can you help them find the right yep. mindset to get them to do what you want them to do, and then start messing with them a little bit until they find. A way exactly. to find their way back to the powerful and positive exactly. mind, and that's like if you spend three days just learning how to absorb a dog on a on a you know on a chest bite or a, or a tricep bite without knocked flat, you're not even delving into the other. The other is the most important part. Like for me, there's, the there's no reason yeah. for people to yeah. There's no reason for people to catch a police dog for over twenty twenty five meters. Any anytime you end up in a real world type of a situation, there's always a bush or a car or an outhouse or some kind of an obstacle I can dodge around and and slow down the dog a little bit so he's not coming at forty miles an hour at me and catching them at that yeah. speed, at that distance at that speed almost anybody can learn in a very short time. And then after that, work the dog once he's on. Don't worry about the the initial. No, I get that. Yeah. You should still yeah. know the footwork and the biomechanics yeah. of it, but but uh, you know this whole. You know the whole championship level. Oh yeah, yeah. Courage yeah. test type stuff. Like we don't, we don't yeah. need that. To no, and, and that's, that's another thing. Luckily, I, I don't really see much of that anymore. I think the decoys, at least, at least where I've been lately, the decoys seem mm-hmm. to be more understanding of some dog psychology and understanding mm-hmm. how, to, yeah. how to read the dog. And, There's and certainly people the out there yeah. teaching that stuff. Now, for sure. Certainly. So, so yeah. So yeah. Anyways, back to the back yeah. to this class here. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I'm going to say this because this drives me crazy everywhere. Okay, and I see this everywhere. People, there's people out there, and you probably saw some of it on the on the legal discussion group we talked about earlier, who have as their business mandate they have a, a, a business a training business themselves, and they teach SWAT classes. They teach SWAT classes, SWAT integration classes, and they're giving dogs bites. Uniform pants. Yeah, and you know, Armin, I'm losing right? you a little bit on the the connection here. So I don't know if oh, you're I'm sorry. moving around a little bit, but I'm still I think there. think you just said that uh, giving dogs bites when they're wearing their uniform. And correct, I, I agree. Yeah, that's that's, I, I, that's I see a big that, no-no. I see it everywhere, I see people. Yeah. You know, oh, the dogs on the table. It doesn't matter what I have on. No, you're wearing BDUs and a bite jacket. Go put pants on or wear yeah. shorts. Yeah. Just at least don't look like a cop yep. in the bottom. Yep. The silhouette, like recognition. Imagine a dog goes down a low-lit hallway towards a decoy who is wearing a hidden sleeve or whatever. He's doing love fighting. And he's wearing the same pants as, yeah. as the cops. Yeah, The dog sees yeah. the silhouettes. He sees cargo pockets. He sees the correct characteristics of, of the BDUs. Yeah. And... And the dog is supposed to engage that guy. Um, I saw, I saw again videotape from a from a seminar being posted, where you know there's there's a, a guy in uniform pants sitting in a cafeteria with a, a police yeah. sweatshirt on with some kind of a badge on his on his chest. Yeah, and he's sitting there idea. passive, and the dog runs in and kind of ignores the guy and leaves him. And everybody's, oh, why is he not engaging this passive suspect? He looks like one of yeah, you. Yeah, no, I, I He's agree. not supposed to engage that. And and then we encourage the dog to do that. Yeah. I see muzzle fighting in, in partial uniforms. I see, like, I, I'm, I have a very char- characteristic bald head, obviously yeah. recognizable and so on. I wear a wig. Sure. 99% of the time when I do anything without equipment on, I wear a wig. 
I wear old grubby clothes. I, I just do not want to look like up. the way yeah. I look like the guy in uniform. That's really important. And it still happens today. It, it drives me absolutely up the wall. And then they wonder why, you know, a dog is tracking through the woods. He's coming around one side of the bush. There's a backup officer on the other yeah, side of the bush. And the dog latches onto him. Yeah. And, and, well, he looks just like the guy yeah. I tracked. Yep. We don't wear stuff like that for tracking. We don't wear stuff like that for inaccessibles. Just don't wear it. Just yeah, I think wear yeah. street clothes. Yep, I think yeah. everybody, everybody in this profession should have a duffel bag with some other, other stuff in their car Correct. and switch out when you're. It, it doesn't take but long. It, it's, but it's, a, it, it's it's not it's not done. I I, I taught, agree. Like I said, I, when I when I taught this class at at the tactical conference, you know, there was a, an email that went out that people should wear have at least black yeah. uniforms or whatever with them so that we could all dress the same. So I brought three different colors with me and a couple of the guys from tactical team, uh, federal law yeah. enforcement tactical group showed up and all they brought was multicam. Yeah. And they were fine in the classroom. We went to the practical. I said like, uh-uh, nope. So yeah. they ran to Walmart and bought themselves some black tops and yeah. some black BDUs and came back. And yeah. then it was okay. I just, I, I preach it, so I practice it. I'm yeah, just not going to allow yeah. it. These guys are friends of mine. I've worked with them before. I respect them and yeah. all. But guys, there's six, seven, eight other dudes here that are dressed in black. Yeah. And you're here in multicam. Guess who stands out like yeah. a sore thumb? Yeah, and enough. for the dogs to really understand at least a visual recognition... We want to make sure that we present yeah. that picture in a very consistent fashion. Yeah. Um, and th the inconsistency of that is very, it's just very common and, and very prevalent still. And, and I think I it hinders us. Yeah. I agree. So that's that's one part. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, as we wrap things down, do you have any other points on the class? We try to keep these around. 40 minutes, 45 minutes. So No, the rest the rest of the class really after some of the conceptual stuff we've talked about is a practical breakdown on how we started. Yeah. Uh, a step-by-step -step sort of a training progression on how to get from the very basics of a dog's understanding the meaning of operators and to identify operators as meaningful individuals yeah. in their life. They don't have to be the uncle. They don't have to be somebody they they know sure. personally or are familiar with. They just need to say, guys that look and sound and smell like you are my way to success. Okay. So you do tell me what to do. You do yeah. show me where to go. You're not it. Yeah. What I'm looking for is something different, but yeah. you're the fastest way for yeah. me to find that guy. And so we, we start a progression on that. I, I, I give sort of a breakdown in the, in the, in the class and how we do that. And how to progress from okay. there. Okay. Um, something else that we talk about, of course, that I want from the dogs. I want the dogs to be 100% gunshot neutral. Sure, absolutely. That's and I want the dogs to be neutral to any and all things that the SWAT team uses. The SWAT team uses tech, robot, drone. Yeah. The yeah. dog needs to not get freaked out by the drone flying over his yeah. head. He also needs to not try to chase it. Yeah. The dog should not get all amped up about a robot he the robot is basically furniture he should ignore that yeah um if you do an explosive breaching the dogs need to be exposed to that and it should be exposed not in the swat like blow the door and send the dog in no 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 no. how about you sit with the breachers and you do the same stuff you did to get the dog neutral to gunfire yeah. yep. and same thing goes with flashbangs like no let's not throw a flashbang in a room it goes boom, and, and the dog sent for a bite. No. How about you s yeah. go out on a range and do the same thing you do with gunfire? Bang goes off, nothing happens. Good yep. boy, get a treat. Bang goes off, nothing happens. Good boy, yeah. get a treat. And all the all the tools and assets we do it with chainsaws, we do it with cut saws, we do it with uh, with rams, we do it with every tool that the SWAT team uses on their operational stuff. They need to be exposed to it. If you're doing boat work, the dogs need to know how to come off of a boat. They need to know how to swim boat to boat. They need to know how to accept being picked up and carried yeah. and lifted. If you're doing ladder climbs, if you're doing rooftop entries, the dogs need to go up ladders. They need to be able to be handed off. They need to be able to be lowered by a rope, etc. If if you have in heat, if you have helos, if you do any kind of fast roping or rappelling, the dogs need to be used to that. If the dogs aren't, then that's well, we're we're coming off the roof and trying to go into the 
third level balcony entry. All right, dog doesn't know how to repel, he's out. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. all those things are are that, that they're, they're easy to use. train. Yeah. Yeah. If they're going to use those tools, yep. that may be an operational tool yeah. that 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 the dog has to be familiar with. Number one, don't train it when it's mayhem and there's lots of action and the dog thinks he's going to a bite as he's coming yeah. down a rappelling line and he's jerking everybody off balance. Go no, 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 no. You, yeah. you repel for the sake of repelling until the yeah. dog is good at repelling, et cetera, et cetera. So those are, those are very important things also. And like I said, I think the, the class will give people a pretty good starting point if, okay. if people bring an open mind and, and, uh, and a willingness to sort of wrap their head around some newer concepts some new, yeah. and let go of some of the old concepts. Because we, I, and again, I, I do this with, I'm not a name dropper, so I'm not going to drop yeah. a name. I do this with uh, domestic law enforcement that is called like, the number one such unit in yeah. the world by special ops magazines and it's it, it's limited by the same laws and criteria that every other domestic law enforcement yeah. agency is and it's very very successful Good. um people just need to like i said there's a few mindsets that need to be changed and then the approaches need to be changed uh, a lot of a lot of the times during these SWAT classes, everybody wants to throw flashbangs. Well, if that's the first time your dog hears a flashbang, probably don't do it in a SWAT seminar. Correct. That's something that Correct. you don't need a SWAT seminar for. That's something that you do at home on the ranch. Get some training yep. bangers and go out and get your dog used to that. But everybody, again, they want the sexy video, flashbang goes, yep. dog goes. If it's a hairy, weird situation, you may sit here with your dog for 15 minutes while we're sending drones and robots in to check what's in there before the dog goes in. And that takes a whole different mindset. Everything is like rock'em, sock'em, balls to the wall, fast, hyper, and, and, and crazy town. SWAT really shouldn't be crazy town. Special no. tactics means you are under control. You are you have time. deliberate. You will do nothing without a plan, and you have time on your side, and you have, you have a, a, an absolute plan, a tactical plan. To do. It isn't just... Yeah. Crazy town. Oh, and, I was. Um, I've been on barricades you know, where I remember. I've been on real barricades where I remember where we would joke that SWAT stand for sit, wait, talk because you know we would it, the negotiators would be talking forever yeah. and the you know the the dogs that couldn't uh, handle that very well they'd spin themselves up so much that uh, you know when it was time to work mm -hmm. they they really couldn't couldn't function correctly so. Definitely, I agree that because, yeah, or they or they give everything away where it just becomes yeah. a, they escalate the situation. Uh -huh. So it, yep. it, it, you really need the dog to be quiet or like to be to be part of the special team operation. The dog really needs to be obedient. He needs to really understand control. So that capping part that we talked about needs to be there. Have that switch yeah. to be able and to turn it off. They just have well, maybe maybe not even a switch so much as as long as it can keep it under control they're going to go anywhere they have to be brought out of this so you keep them busy or you kind of distract them or whatever then you have to be able to switch back into the other and that may be harder for so i like True. a dog that basically stays contained yeah. he's basically if i say go he's going to smash yeah but until i say go he's will he's capable of waiting and holding it the dog that needs to be la 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 we're not doing anything exciting oh there's a bad guy go by him and he goes what 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 and he's not ready that's that, now there are some dogs that can do that because they're yeah. just especially experienced dogs that have bitten before yeah. but it's, it's the first time for for a lot of dogs sure <laughs> you know when they when they get to that situation yeah. we know, we want to make sure that the dogs are really ready yeah. to rock yeah this is good information i hope people uh you know, are listening to this and they're, you know, maybe want to come and check out the whole mm -hmm. class. Like I said, I, I try not to be, mm -hmm. uh, I like to make this podcast very open information, but this is one of those subjects where you just mm -hmm. have to kind of come and see it in person and, and get everything from Armin in person because we can't put out some of the stuff right now. But there'll be more information when at, at HITS in Orlando. You'll be able to talk to Armin. And the nice yes. thing about uh, HITS that we always talk about is that you know, you, you won't be able to find an evening where Armin won't make himself available to sit down, drink a beer, and discuss things more. So it, it, there's a lot of networking. So even by coming to the, the seminar, you go to the class, you want to pick Armin's brain or any of our instructors more, you can do that, you know, in the evening mm -hmm. and at different times. So as always, Armin, I, it's always fun talking to you, your wealth of knowledge. And uh, I like 
uh, <laughs> kind of batting stuff around with you. It's always a good time. So uh, thanks for uh, having the time today. And cool. Well, it's good to get questions you. so I can have a chance to answer. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Thanks for okay. having me on. Thanks, Armin. We'll talk to you soon. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Hits K9 Radio with Armin Winkler. Hits uh, is going to be in Orlando this year, as you probably know. We'll be in Orlando in August. Hitsk9.net for all the information. Registrations are rolling in right now. We have registrations coming in from all over the world. So it's uh, looking to be, if not our biggest ever. We, we just weren't sure what was going to happen after all this COVID crap. But it's sure shaping up that we'll have well over a 1,000 handlers uh, coming as usual. So join the crowd. We've got a lot of room. It's a huge hotel. So we have plenty of room to be able to have a great time there with as many handlers as uh, want to come. So hitsk9.net. Uh, check us out there. Check out uh, on the website. You can see what the class descriptions are for Armin if you're interested in hearing more from him. And then also you'll be able to check out the list of different vendors we have. And I always like to uh, thank the vendors on this show because the vendors are the ones who are making hits possible. So Kong has been a longtime vendor with hits. They've been on, I think, to every single hits. And uh, Mark Hines is there. He's always doing a a great job giving out a lot of stuff. This year, we also have Mark Ritland doing a booth for his new food, Team Dog. Uh, the Team Dog food is good food, and you'll be able to stop by and talk to him, as well as several other dog food companies. We have uh, Anook Shook and Kinetic, just to name a couple of the dog food companies that are going to be there. So it's a great time to be able to go around and learn all about the different dog foods that are there and make some very educated choices on what's best for your partner. So check out hitscanine.net. You'll be able to see all this information plus a whole lot more. And as always, if you uh, like the show, I sure would appreciate it if you just scroll down, give us a, a rating on the iTunes button. It just helps us get uh, found a little bit easier. Anything you need, whether it's questions, feedback, or anything, shoot me an email at jeff at hitscanine.net. Thanks and stay safe. This is the official Hits Training and Consulting Podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. Hits Radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too.